0: tumbling down pledging their love to the ground this is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC
1: welcome
2: back to Saturday Night on the Circle thanks for joining me ladies and gentlemen it's always a pleasure to be here make sure to catch my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm we got a lot to cover on the show this evening, including the ever-evolving classified documents scandal in the Biden administration. Uh, some now theorizing Democrats attempting to sabotage the president ahead of 2024 in exchange for a more viable candidate. We'll talk about that. Jim Banks, our very own representative from Indiana, has declared he intends to office hop and run for Senate. whoop de doo uh, We'll talk about that. The baby with a gun. Uh, deterrence in Austin for uh, homeless encampments nearby. We'll play some fun sound It's got a lot to cover. I'm sure you'll enjoy the program as always. But first, Carl. Oh, by the way, producer Carl on the board. Beep, 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 beep. Pushing those buttons, doing the things to make the show function. We got an important announcement that I'm very excited about to get into here in the first segment. We've been working on it for a few weeks now, but... Progress is underway, and if it's not fully functional, it will be shortly. I'm referring to Saturday night on the Circle's new position on wibc.com, and I'm so excited because producer Carl really fought for this. He he wanted the you know the show to have its page on the website. It was time for a return. Once upon a time, I did on MS, um, but for various reasons, I decided to uh, uh, migrate it um onto fireside but now returning to the website and i'm I'm pretty excited about this carl i'm stoked
3: yeah i think we're big time now yeah we oh (laughs) hey
2: guys you haven't seen the uh the branding the logo icon that uh nick in uh, digital drew up for us uh for saturday night on the circle but i think it looks quite professional and i can't wait to debut it of course we still got a few hiccups to work out. I guess Carl was attempting to access the show page on the website before this evening's program. It, it, can you can you get there like navigating around but it's not there's not like an actual blurb Let, for yeah, you to click just yet. Yeah, let's say
3: it's it's going to be there but people are going to have a hard time finding it's it. It's a work in progress. <laughs> so I'm not
2: nixing the Fireside uh, yeah. website just yet. You can still find my podcasts uploaded to fm. But after weeks of momentum on this issue, we are finally approaching the finish line, um, if not already having crossed it, of getting now the podcast uploaded to wibc.com. Yeah. And yeah. this is going to be cool.
3: Yeah, there was a lot of negotiation, and I, I hope you uh, get paid, uh, paid very well for this. Well, yeah, I got to
2: I got to get that sweet sponsorship yeah. money. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, we might also be expanding the program to include YouTube broadcasts so that way we can get participation in the comments feed. And I think that would be a lot of fun, too. Don't you?
3: Yeah, you're, you're one of the few faces that's uh, not a face for radio, Ethan, so I think people will be uh, happily surprised. <laughs>
2: what a compliment from producer Carl, although he's being far too generous. Y'all haven't seen my pockmarked uh, neck beard face, but uh, trust me, it's nothing to uh, be too jazzed about. Let's get into the broadcast at hand. Of course, uh, some are speculating that Democrats are attempting to sabotage Biden in advance of the 2024 election. I think that's an interesting theory, especially with the timing of the release of the classified materials, the government having sat on that since the midterms. And that's what Joe Rogan was speculating on his podcast with Matt McCusker and Shane Gillis. That's no. crazy.
4: He's getting jammed up on like Manila folders when he was like kissing 12 year old girls on Dude. camera.
5: I don't oh, know, Joe Biden. Jack. Yeah. I don't out, know, Clay. Jack about politics. But if I had to guess, I'm, they're trying to get rid of him yeah that would yeah. my guess would be they're trying to get rid of him if all of a sudden they his own aides are sending these instead of like taking these classified documents which you have located yeah. and go well let's not do that again and locking them up somewhere his own yeah. aides self-reporting t- dude come on that dude. sounds sus well no one self-reported that laptop. I know. That that laptop, was, well, that was Russian disinformation. They, that reeks of they, Russian they disinformation. They got a hold of the, the social media companies and lied to them. They did whatever the f- they could to keep that from happening. And even this, they discovered this before the midterms. Yeah. yeah so they that's... didn't release the information until after the midterms.
2: So they had a beat on this in advance of the midterms and sat on it because they knew it could be damaging for Democrat campaigns, especially the Senate, that they desperately needed to win. But they're attempting to influence the election ahead of 2024, which is honestly, uh, this kind of narrative engineering evokes the atmosphere from an old uh, House of Cards episode, you know?
0: Gaffney, we had our own brand of diplomacy. Shake
2: with your right hand, but hold a rock in your left. Man, remember when House of Cards used to be good? I miss Kevin Spacey and his role as Frank Underwood. It's just a shame he ended up being a sexual predator. Yeah,
3: you, you know? realize that he wasn't acting in that show.
2: Right. Uh, speaking of sexual predators, Joe Biden saying that he has no regrets in the classified documents scandal um, in, in a press conference earlier this week.
6: I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there.
2: Thank you All right. I don't know why the president feels it's reassuring to explain that he's doing what the lawyers they're your lawyers. Of course you'll do what they tell you if you're not an idiot. They're attempting to cover your ass. That's the job. This isn't the government investigating itself, which is part of the problem here, because they're totally treating uh, Biden's classified documents differently than Trump's classified documents, which he took with him out of the White House, and it was known. Biden's been sitting on this stuff for a few years now, and it's lawyers who didn't have access to the material who made the discovery and then announced it. Of course, they sat on it for a while. Uh, meanwhile, we're finding out more information about visitors to the Wilmington residence, including Hunter, who was around the garage in the days before the discovery was made.
5: Brand new twists in the Biden doc drama. Resurface video shows Hunter Biden jetting off to the president's Wilmington home just four days before classified files were found in the garage next to the Corvette. We are also learning that the president's personal attorney, who found the initial batch of classified documents, was interviewed by the FBI, but the bureau skipped out on filing an official document called a 302. The government uses those to summarize interviews, basically.
2: Isn't that interesting? Again, the appearance of collusion between the Justice Department and the executive to cover over malfeasance. This isn't the first time it happened, just like when Hunter, uh, uh, disp- what, what, what was it actually? It was Hunter's was it his wife or his uh, fiance disposed of the gun next to the elementary school and the FBI came and picked it up and didn't make an official report about it. Like this is, this is part of a pattern and Hunter's presence alone there in the Wilmington residence raises questions over who may have had access to these classified materials. Hunter himself being severely compromised by everything we know from the laptop, including admissions that this isn't the first time he's had his personal materials stolen by uh, uh, nefarious outsiders with ill intent. So, like, this is a problem. The classified document scandal continues to grow and illustrates the sheer hypocrisy of the left. Um, And and I refuse, of course, to uh, dismiss the severity of mishandling some of our government secrets because that could easily balloon into a debacle that has ram Both for our uh, diplomacy, our national security, and uh, potentially the lives of American citizens. So, yeah, it's serious. Like, there's. There's a reason why it needs to be handled and treated that way. And the fact that the Biden administration has been mishandling these materials for years illustrates their lack of seriousness and their lack of capability uh, in the leadership's po- uh, position. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Thanks for listening. Catch the podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the FM, and shortly WIBC.com. Keep uh, checking back for that. Um, and in the meantime, we got a commercial break to go to. But coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about Jim Banks, professional office hopper, announcing his intent to run for Senate, the first officially declared candidate. Stay tuned for that up next.
0: This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC.
2: Walking out for love. Welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle. Really I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, Hatcher, producer Carl. Beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things the to make the show function. We're getting into Representative Jim Banks turned professional office hopper who announced on Tuesday he is running for Senate here in Indiana hoping to uh fill the position that Mike Braun is vacating to office hop for uh, uh running for governor. So we got a lot of office hopping going on and you know I tend to cast a critical eye towards those who do uh who engage in that activity especially when they're spineless representatives that don't really uh represent conservative values. Anyway, uh which I feel Jim Banks qualifies for. Um, here was part of his uh, campaign announcement on Tuesday. I love my family and I love America. That's why I decided to serve my country in the military. And one of the greatest joys of my life was coming home from Afghanistan to my wife and our three little girls. I was proud to defend America then, and today I'm just as proud to fight for our conservative Hoosier values in Congress. I'm Jim Banks. That's why I served overseas, and it's why I'm running for the United States Senate, to restore America.
1: We say no more blah, blah, blah. No more exploitation. No more blah, blah, blah.
2: Like, I think it's great that Jim Banks served our country and was part of the military... But that doesn't qualify him for elected office, nor does it help bolster his leadership when after obtaining the position, he hasn't stood for getting conserv- for leading conservative values. The most prominent example most recently being uh, that he voted for Kevin McCarthy as speaker all 15 votes and didn't hold out once for more concessions for the House Freedom Caucus, which was always on the table, or better yet, providing an alternative candidate when you had Clown Show Mount Get- Matt Gaetz floundering out there and had no alternative to present, or when he did, those candidates supported Kevin McCarthy, which itself was a ridiculous display. I'm not really enthusiastic about Jim Banks attempting to run for Senate, and uh, if I have my dream- brothers hopefully my man mitch will make an attempt and I, I i'm more energetic about that i i know uh there are some people on the station rob rob kendall who is uh Uh, critical of uh, Mitch Daniels' uh, time in office as governor, but I remember those years of Indiana being one of prosperity, being a time when we were building bridges, expanding our business horizons and partnerships, Uh, and I think that kind of representation would do well in the Senate, just my opinion, Uh, especially when when stacked in comparison to Jim Banks. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Catch podcasts uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm, as well as on the WIBC page. If not now, then shortly, coming soon. Work in progress. We're, we're ironing out the kinks. Um, also, this week, the Beach Grove father of the uh, baby with a gun has been formally charged. Um, after, uh, files being charged uh, against Shane Osborne this week uh, after the viral video was uh, 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 made the rounds on social media um, last weekend. Actually, Carl, there's been an update in the case. They released some body cam footage of the interaction with the child. Have you seen that? No. Okay, it's really cool. Um What's the situation? At least 14 hostages. Civilians. Any demands? None yet.
0: That's why you're here. Get up there. Find out what the bastards want. And get those hostages out safe.
1: Don't worry, Chief. There's nothing I can't handle. I can't handle this. It's baby with a gun. Over.
6: What? It's baby with a gun. Over. I will give you 45
2: pounds for that gun. <laughs> oh, you could just have it. This is a mugging now. That's fine. Fortunately, they were able to talk the baby down and the situation was resolved peacefully with no fatalities.
3: Wow, Ethan, is this an exclusive? I haven't seen ex- this on any other station. Exclusive
2: audio heard nowhere else besides Saturday night on The Circle. We have the connections yeah. with law enforcement to bring this to you, which is why you need to stay tuned to the show. We always got the cool stuff. But yeah, Osborne, 45, phasing a facing a felony charge of dangerous control of a firearm and two counts of child neglect, which again, I'm aghast and surprised. I thought this state had constitutional carry. And if our founding fathers didn't intend for toddlers to march around with firearms, then I don't know what they intended. Because they certainly were shoving muskets, you know, muskets in the hands of, young Thaddeus, go fetch us some venison. Right away, papa! You know, And off the toddler goes into the uh, uh, deep dark forest, who may or may not come back with the venison thereafter. So yeah, anyway. anyway. I'm joking, obviously. Um, it, it, this is a terrible situation, and we're fortunate that it was resolved without uh, without incident. Of course, they say that no rounds were chambered, but there were rounds in the magazine, and, oh, well, the kid wasn't strong enough to pull the trigger. I don't know about that. Have you ever tried to snatch a mandarin orange from the hands of a toddler? They got the, they got the iron death grip, or like when they grab a hold of your finger, and you're like, ah, ah. So, you know, trust me, I I think it was more than possible that that could have ended badly. Um, And it has many times with children uh, finding firearms, which is why if you are a firearm owner and you do have children, you should make extra special sure, specially sure to uh, secure your firearm safely and display responsible ownership. Unlike uh, Shane Osborne, who, yes, is rightfully now facing charges. Um now here's an in- interesting solution to a vexing problem that is facing many Indianapolis business owners as well Jagat Patel of South Austin has he's a 711 owner and he's decided to play classical music as a deterrent for a nearby homeless encampment who has been harassing his customers and the local Fox News station interviewed him.
1: The
5: 7-Eleven owner said the city of Austin isn't doing enough to keep people from soliciting and leaving items on his property.
4: Jagat Patel is the owner of this 7-Eleven at the intersection of East Oldtorf and Park Lane.
1: The music we've been playing for 10 days is 24-7. Patel
4: says this comes as there's been issues
1: with the homeless encampment next door. Three or four people waiting and then coming to your window and asking for money or stuff that they need. And a lot of times when a customer declines, they will kick the tire or they will get upset. So it's, it's affecting our business.
2: An interesting, if effective, deterrent. I mean, he claims that they're leaving the customers alone more frequently. People are like kind of uh, staying away from the business. Actually, they had to turn the volume down because nearby apartment complexes were starting to complain uh, about the noise. What's most interesting to me is evidently these miscreants are not the uh, bohemian types, as were the Denzians of Shawshank Redemption. I
4: have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free.
2: So clearly the solution here is for Jagat Patel to contact Morgan Freeman. Start getting some movement there. Anyway, you're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. we got a lot more content to come. Stay tuned, because coming up next, we're going to play highlights throughout the week, including Kareem Jean-Pierre having to flip-flop in the wake of the Biden-classified document scandal continuing to snowball, uh, as well as Trump uh, truthing out on Truth Social, and a lot more. You're going to enjoy it. Stay tuned.
1: Things that bother you, never bother me I feel happy and fire Living in the sunlight, loving in the moonlight Having a wonderful time
0: This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC
4: Living in the sunlight, loving in the moonlight Having a wonderful time Despite
2: vouchsafing that the Biden administration had completed its search for classified materials at the beleaguered president's residence, last weekend more documents were discovered casting into doubt the trustworthiness of administration announcements and sending the poor press secretary spinning in front of media members attempting in vain to cover the dishonesty. Among other ridiculous claims by the administration, you'll hear them say no logs exist for the Biden visitors, claiming claims now thrown into dispute by his own secret service. And naturally, Trump weighs in on the scandal in his trademark abrasive fashion. You'll hear it all for this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher.
0: It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true, the names have been changed to protect the innocent.
2: You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl, pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Corrine (laughs) Jean-Pierre last week claiming that in the search for classified documents, the Biden administration had it completed and we would find no more. Here's what she said.
5: Is the president confident? You said that the search has been completed, but is the president confident that there are no additional documents with classified markings that remain in any other additional locations?
3: Look, uh, I can just refer you to what his
4: team said. The search is complete.
2: Search is complete. Administration confident that no more classified documents were to be had. As you know, if you listened to the show last week, and however, that morning they announced more documents were discovered, also waiting since those apparently had been found Thursday, and they waited until the weekend to make the announcement more evidence of narrative engineering on the part of Democrats now sending poor Kareem, oh, spinning in front of the media, attempting to cover for the dishonesty in vain.
1: Last week, you um, told I think it was still, that we all can assume, the American people could assume that the searches were complete and all the documents had been recovered uh, on Saturday the White House Counsel's Office uh, uh, said that five additional classified documents have been found. Um, is it safe to assume now that all the documents are uh, uh, have been recovered, all the official records, all the classified documents are back in the custody of the National Archives or are more searches underway to find out if there's anything else there?
0: Look, I, I understand your question. We have addressed multiple questions from here. Multiple questions have been answered by the President. I know that you all uh, just found about some of you, some of your colleagues, maybe you yourself, Sieg, was, was on the phone with my colleague for about 45 minutes that addressed a lot of your questions uh, i'm just going to continue to be prudent here uh, i'm going to let this ongoing uh, review that is happening this legal process that is happening uh, and and uh, let that uh, let that process continue under the special counsel we're not i'm not going to comment
2: from here brilliant kareen Yes, why don't you let the situation unfold before making sweeping statements. Oh, the investigation is completed. We found no more classified materials in the Wilmington... Oops, except there were. Poor Corrine. And, you know, like... It's her trademark, that's her trademark move is to stonewall the media. That's why we gave her the nickname Kareem Stonewall Jean-Pierre because she stonewalls any question the media throws out except on this particular occasion she decided it was most efficacious to make that sweeping announcement that the Biden administration had found all the classified materials when in fact they had not. Scandal continuing to balloon in its ridiculousness. Um, but also claims the administration makes about who had access to the materials and whether or not that information can be verified. Equally ridiculous, indicative of duplicity, originally claiming there are no visitor logs. no None exist. We just have no means of confirming or knowing who had access or came into the Wilmington residence. Just don't know. In terms of uh, what Republicans on the Hill are asking
5: for a record of who may have been in the Wilmington residence and potentially had access to the areas where these documents were found, it does not appear that that exists.
2: Are you serious? It was stupid when they said it, but now it's basically been confirmed. The Secret Service has been keeping logs of the visitors, and if Congress asks for the information, according to sources close to the service, they are willing to turn it over. And I guarantee you they have been writing down this information because story time, Carl. I once had a friend, we'll call him Tyler, because that was his name, um, who was banned briefly from uh, the vicinity of... Of Kennebunkport, Maine. He's, he, Tyler was a funny character. He was really a fanboy of the Bush family for just kind of funny reasons, uh, but he really admired them. And in particular, he wanted to get a photograph and an autograph with uh, former president, Daddy Herbert Walker Bush, H.W., um, And so in an attempt to do so traveled all the way up and I came with him, mind you, this, this was a cross country trip. And we went up to Kennebunk Port Maine and he's getting in contact with like friends of the president and hanging around his haunts and trying to get contacts. And then out of the blue, his mom calls him and she's like, "Hey, did you know that the secret service called me because have you been trying to get in contact with the former president?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, mom, I didn't" know. Uh-huh. <laughs> And they called him. They called the mom first. And then they called him. And they're like, yeah, don't be trying to come, you know, on the uh, Kennebunkport uh, compound, stop harassing the former President Bush, stop harassing people that he knows, uh, and don't come in the vicinity for, like, I think it was a period of six months or something. But the dude got banned from Kennebunkport, Maine, for attempting to get in contact with a long-since former president. I guarantee you that the secrets – they got in contact with his mom – They got contact with his mom. I guarantee you they've been taking notes on who came and went from the Wilmington residents. If any administration of the government is on top of their duties, it's the Secret Service. These guys take their jobs very seriously and take studious and detailed notes and are very observant about the activities that go on uh, uh, surrounding the individuals in their care. So, yes, there are logs of the Biden administration, and I know to a certain degree from firsthand experience because... Yeah, I watched that that whole event unfold, and that was kind of kind of comical. Listening to Saturday night on the Circle 93 WIBC, of course, Trump no shortage of things to say about the classified documents scandal, noting the disparity between how uh, uh, the the Justice Department is handling his classified documents versus Biden's.
6: At the very same moment when my ultra secure Mar-a-Lago home was raided by the FBI. JOE BIDEN WAS HARBORING CLASSIFIED DOCUMENTS IN HIS CHINA-FUNDED PEN CENTER AND HIS UNSECURED GARAGE. RIGHT ON THE FLOOR, PILES OF PAPER. THE FLOOR WAS PROBABLY VERY WET AND DAMP, AS MANY GARAGES ARE. (laughs) YET, WHILE I'M BEING PERSECUTED BY TRUMP-HATING SPECIAL COUNSEL, I CALL THEM SPECIAL PROSECUTORS, BUT THIS ONE IN PARTICULAR IS A PROSECUTOR AND A TRUMP-DERANGED PERSON. They prosecute all sorts of things. He prosecuted war crimes and war criminals.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, Carl. Weren't both of the investigators appointed by Merrick Garland initially put in their positions by Trump? Did I miss that? It, did I? Did I just make that up here? Carl, I need you to verify that I'm not crazy. That, that that's real, right? Well, I- I don't know if I can verify. If you're not crazy, well, Google it while I cover <laughs> okay. some other uh, uh, cover some other topics because I'm pretty sure that both of the invest. I'm serious. Google it. Look it up. Look it up. I need to know now uh, that Merrick Garland appointed were put in their positions. By Donald Trump and of course it gets worse because he continues to talk about like why he took home the classified materials and he's like when I was in the Oval Office or elsewhere and papers were distributed to groups of people and me they would often be in a striped paper folder with classified or confidential or another word on them when the session was over they would collect the papers but not the folders and I saved hundreds of them remember these were just ordinary inexpensive folders with various words printed on them but they they were a cool keepsake. Perhaps the Gestapo took some of these empty folders when they raided Mar-a-Lago and counted them as a document, which they are not. It's also possible that the Trump-hating Marxist thugs in charge will plant documents when they're in possession of the material. So dude is actually claiming that he just took the, the folders and the documents themselves were retrieved and subsequently planted by the FBI in the Mar-a-Lago raid, undercutting any credibility he has in the criticism of its handling. Like, dude just needs to get out of his own way because he stands the whole world to benefit in the in this debacle because it's highlighting the hypocrisy of the Democrats who but then, when you say things like "Oh, well, I'm taking, I'm taking the documents," out because it's cool, and then they're planted by the FBI, I'm like shut up, man. He's his own worst enemy. It's ridiculous. And
3: and, and the ground was not wet. <laughs> the
2: ground is very damp.
3: <laughs> Probably very damp.
2: <laughs> Listening to Saturday night on the Circle ninety. Did you did you find whether those uh uh uh, uh investigators were appointed by Trump? I'm pretty sure they were.
3: Uh, I know the 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 um. The prosecutor against Biden is Trump, but I'm not sure about the person that's going after him.
2: Okay. Well, anyway, Uh, also this week, this was a a comical moment where uh, Kamala Harris, I believe she was in Arizona, um, uh, talking about the power lines uh, traversing the country. And this was her way of explaining electricity to the audience assembled before her. Just take a listen.
1: Today, America has more than half a million miles of transmission lines, enough to wrap around the globe 24 times. These lines connect the power plants where electricity is created to homes and businesses and schools and hospitals across our nation. Think about it, every time you turn on a light or charge your laptop, or plug in your air conditioner, or put leftovers in the fridge, you rely on the power delivered by our nation's network of transmission lines.
2: Yes, Vice President Harris, that's how electricity works. Or I guess as President Biden likes to refer to her, President Harris, that is how electricity works it's not especially anything uh, egregious, it's just it really makes you yearn for the days when we had uh, uh, eloquent orators like Ronald Reagan, um, who were the speech crafters, delivering messages before the assembled masses. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Unfortunately, we got a break there. Coming up next, stay tuned, more content to come on 93 WIBC.
0: Saturday night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
1: Welcome back to Saturday Night
2: on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, producer Carl on the board. Check the podcast at Saturday Night on the fireside.fm, coming soon to WIBC.com as well. This segment, we're talking about the social media trend of anti bucket list. What's an anti bucket list? Well, at the beginning of the year, it's always a time of optimism. We're making our resolutions, we're making plans for activities throughout the year. Some of them, our bucket list items What stuff you want to do. Well, the anti-bucket list is like it sounds, stuff you would never ever in a million years do or do again. And this was interesting, uh, brought to mind activity like I don't like dense crowded noisy spaces so something like going to Coachella never in a million years have an interest in especially these noisy rambunctious artists today um no interest in it. in fact after the show I plan to go to a uh, indie record bash and spin some old 78 rpm records from the 1900s to 1950s that's neither here nor there uh never go bungee jumping never go skydiving never in a million years would you get me catch me jumping out of a plane Carl I think that is a re- Ridiculous risk. What are some of the activities that would make your anti-bucket list? Got anything off the top of your head that you just never in a million years would do or something that you've done but would never do again?
3: I don't know if I could say it on the air. Oh, <laughs> of things I wouldn't do. Okay, risque. Yes. Yeah, 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 so.
2: <laughs> um. Let Let's see. Some of the popular uh, entries in social media included oh, any ride on Six Flags. I disagree with that. Roller coasters are fun, but you know, hey, I get I get it if you're afraid. Uh, made their anti bucket list. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see uh setting uh for a relationship oh n- never date another scorpio so yeah t- stuff like that making the rounds for anti lists um to to me, going to crowded venues, you know, stuff like noisy concerts, especially for modern artists, no bungee jumping, no skydiving, no uh, any interactions with venomous animals or uh, cave diving. Oh, my God. Have you heard about the disasters of cave diving? You want to talk about a a needlessly reckless recreational activity like people are drowning in these caves all the time. They're kicking up silt. Uh, I I guess the, the, the balances of the gases involved with how you mix those chemicals at different depths can give you uh nausea and dizziness and make it impossible to focus and then curse you to drown like no this activity is not fun not engaging this for recreational entertainment never in a million years so yeah anti-bucket list think about that uh uh, and submit your own uh oh also did you hear uh that, that witch carol baskin made the news again Which Carol Baskin, Uh, this is something apparently she announced a year ago and people completely missed that she's claiming her ex-husband is alive. Yeah, made the announcement on an uh, interview with ABC. This is a year ago, and I guess nobody noticed because the Biden administration is so grossly incompetent. We've got more important things to worry about, but now making the rounds on social media, being refuted, however, by the sheriff's office of Hillsborough County, saying that as far as they're concerned, the case is still open. Uh, they have received no notice from the Department of Homeland uh, Security, uh, that which Carol Baskin, she is claiming uh, that her husband is, or her ex husband is alive in costa rica and at this point dude would be like in his 80s i think he disappeared when he was was 70 71 70 uh 30 years ago and now he would be in his 80s if that were the case but uh yeah the government officials disputing that witch carol baskin's uh version of events you're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIBC. Stay tuned, we've got more to come. Catch my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about the Supreme Court investigation into the leak what were the results if any also uh at the alec baldwin uh case on the set of rust he's officially been charged as well as delving into the george santos scandal if you've not heard this is a wild story so stay tuned coming up in the next hour of saturday night on the circle
5: thanks
0: Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC.
2: Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your hungry host, Ethan Hatcher, snacking behind the scenes with producer Carl on the board. Man, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day. I've been at the studio prepping for the show, getting the sound cut together, putting the show prep, and didn't have the the chance to go out and grab something for lunch. So between breaks, I decided I'm going to microwave myself uh, some macaroni that is Kraft Mac and Cheese. You can hear it here. Got some that I keep uh, at the station. Uh, But now doing radio, so I gotta set that to the side so we can get to the more important material, and much like I have to wait to enjoy my cheesy mac and cheese in a microwave bowl, we've been waiting for the investigation from the Supreme Court to reveal who the leaker was, and after months, uh, since May 2- 2nd, as a matter of fact, of uh, last year, Political published a draft of the decision in the uh, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson uh, abortion case which would eventually overturn Roe versus Wade and the leak triggered protests across the country at the justices homes that continued for months and after all that we still don't know who the leaker was, which I find extremely curious. The investigation by the U.S. Supreme Court has failed to identify the culprit behind the leak draft decision, which signaled the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, Investigators conducted more than 120 interviews of nearly 100 employees, all of whom denied disclosing the opinion, which, of course, they did. The focus was on three dozen law clerks who worked directly with the justices. They were asked to turn over their phones, but per the marshal's report, the investigation team has been unable to identify a person responsible by a preponderance of the evidence. Hmm, okay. Well, there is a glaring hole in the marshals' report, and that is no mention of the nine justices themselves or their spouses being interviewed as part of the investigation process. The gap in the investigation comes after the uh, court has concluded it may never know who leaked the draft to Politico. I'm going to be putting on the tinfoil hat. Throw me the tinfoil hat, Carl. It's over, sitting over there. Got it? Good yeah. Okay. Got it. it. Okay. Tinfoil hat on. I don't think it was a liberal justice that leaked the opinion. I think it was one of the conservative justices or their staff. You want to know why?
3: Because we don't know yet.
2: No, um, I think because they wanted to galvanize the membership of the ju- or the, the, the justices and ensure that they didn't change their votes. Like And bow under pressure Because before the official vote is out The justices are always free To change around their opinions But once that decision Was leaked, it's almost like They were locked into place And then Roe was subsequently overturned Because they're not going to bow Under the appearance of public pressure Like they're going to cave to the mob So for the sake of maintaining the integrity Of the institution, I I think It may have been one of the conservative justices That's the tinfoil hat theory Yeah, that's
3: interesting because I haven't heard that before. That's
2: the tinfoil hat theory coming out of Saturday night on The Circle. But, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And they didn't didn't interview the justices or their spouses. And also, who is the uh, chief justice right now? Roberts. John Roberts. If he really wanted to get to the bottom of this, he would. Unless. Unless it was him. Unless it was him or one of the conservative justices. That's my that's my opinion. That's the tinfoil uh, theory here on Saturday night on The Circle. But yeah, much ado uh, about nothing after months of investigation. And, well, golly, guys, I guess we just don't know. Even after they took the phones of these people. So either they've overlooked something from the clerks or it was far closer to the source than is being reported. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. Uh, Speaking of the Supreme Court, also this week, uh, the state's highest court heard arguments about the lawsuit filed uh, by public abortion clinic operators against the abortion ban here in the state, uh, which had been blocked from being enforced since September Um, the arguments were made before the justices on Thursday and we have yet to receive any clarity, uh, from those arguments. So yeah, we're awaiting a decision. Um, but Indiana was the first state to enact a tighter abortion regula- restrictions after the Supreme Court announced their decision. Um, and also, we don't know exactly how it's going to be turned out uh, or turn out because um, the arguments being made before the justices come after courts in two other conservative states went in opposite directions after similar constitutional challenges. South Carolina's ban was struck down. Idaho's was upheld. So it remains to be seen how Indiana will come down on the issue. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Coming up in the next segment, Alec Baldwin. He has been formally charged with manslaughter following the accidental shooting on the set of Rust. We'll talk about that and play a Fox News contributor's uh, thoughts on how the gun fired. So stay tuned to 93 WIBC.
0: You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC.
2: Actor Alec Baldwin, who fatally shot cinematographer on the western movie set of Rust in 2021, has been charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter along with armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl on the board pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function family of Helena Hutchins the victim um, thanked prosecutors for their decision saying that it's refreshing in New Mexico no one is above the law Baldwin maintained he's not aware that the gun he fired during the rehearsal contained live rounds his attorney called the prosecutor's decision a terrible miscarriage of justice but I believe fundamentally where he went wrong is during the George Stephanopoulos interview when he said he didn't pull the trigger. That was especially damning and commented on by Steve Wolf, contributor to Fox News, who himself is a safety expert for films, who uh, who's worked in the industry, explaining how the gun could have went off.
6: It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled.
2: Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger.
4: So
6: you never pulled the trigger. No,
4: no, 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 no. I I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them. Never, never.
5: Steve, what's your take on that? Now, given everything that we know now,
6: load of crap. I I think as much as I can say on, on um, you know, family television, Uh, the FBI and numerous other people have have verified there was nothing wrong with that gun and that gun will not fire without pressing the trigger. Now, where I would cut Alec some slack on that is that a gun of this nature has a very, very light trigger pull to fire it. So the slightest pressure here Mm. and it fires. Mm -hmm. What I think happened and based on some of the footage that I saw uh, from the rehearsal is that Alec was holding the gun with his finger through the trigger guard. So his finger was resting on the trigger. And in a gun of this type, if your finger is resting on the trigger, when you pull the hammer back, the hammer will drop and fire. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's what happened. So I think not intentional, but uh, you know, deadly nonetheless.
2: I continue to have somewhat mixed feelings about the charging of Alec Baldwin in this terrible tragedy. Clearly, dude pulled the trigger. Like, let's let's get that out of the way. That that obviously happened. Um, but. In my opinion and estimation of working on film sets, oftentimes actors or stuntmen are required to perform activities that are inherently dangerous that you wouldn't responsibly engage in under normal circumstances. And in the case of Alec, he was requested by the cinematographer Helena Hutchins to point the gun at the camera and it went off. Now, the the counter argument of course is the incredible negligence that was going on in the set and the lack of uh safety culture um and the fact that live rounds had been discovered on the set previously and the fact that uh Alec Baldwin is a producer. Well, yeah, there I think you could definitely argue uh that there's some copability with the culture of negligence on the set that resulted in this uh, you know, accidental fatality. Uh and and certainly i you know i just it's incredibly ironic of course for an anti-second amendment activist to now uh, have been responsible for the death of another at the uh, with a firearm um but i also think it's worth noting the incredible tragedy and and we don't wish um that kind of emo- emotional turmoil on anyone and although alec baldwin is by all accounts a-hole a class grade a a-hole um that that still doesn't mean it, it, it still doesn't mean he's suffering from the weight of his uh, mistake. And so in that regard, that's kind of, That's unfortunate. But, of course, uh, the family of Helena Hutchins also suffering, um, and now he is being charged with prosecutors, and it remains to see, uh, see, be seen whether or not those uh, charges stick. His lawyers, of course, maintained they will vigorously defend Alec um, in uh, the prosecution, and he will come out the other side of it in- innocent. I guess we'll find out. This was something brought to the attention of the show by a uh, friend and listener, uh, Paul, who noted um, this whole plot line – can basically be lifted from an old episode of Columbo. Fade into Murder aired on October 10th of 1976 in which the central antagonist murdered someone on a movie set by switching out the blanks of a prop gun. He forgot something. Forgot
0: what? Well, sir, you know that this gun was only used as a prop. So, of course, it was never filled with anything but blanks. That is, until you stole it, sir. And in order to kill Mrs. Daly, you had to remove the blanks and insert real bullets. There were no prints on the gun because you wiped the gun clean, sir. But you didn't remember
6: to do the same thing with the bullets. Damn. I had to
2: forget something. And he might have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling detectives. That was William Shatner, by the way. He was the uh, central antagonist of that episode. So, yeah, um, it's just funny how uh, sometimes life imitates art or vice versa, art imitating life uh, in the case of this tragic death, uh, which almost beat for beat uh, was uh, outlined in an episode from Columbo uh, nearly 50 years ago. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. Uh, Of course, I wanted to get very briefly into the uh, incredible saga of George Santos, a representative from Long Island, New York, whose scandals, I think, have largely escaped our notice. Producer Carl, are you familiar with the tales of uh, uh, young Mr. Santos? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Dude is weaving lies a mile long. He is a Pinocchio of proportions, not seen in a long time. This is kind of disturbing. I think it's a poor mark on Republicans. Worst yet, because he's getting backing from... The current leadership, Kevin McCarthy, won't even uh, acknowledge that he's a dishonest SOB. He's like, well, we're going to wait on the ethics committee to find out and do anything about Santos. And in the meantime, he's giving him important committee assignments when it's it's not speculative. Santos admitted he's lying. Santos admitted he is lying and "quote unquote" embellishing very, you know, very broad details about his past. I mean, this is incredible stuff. He's claiming to be gay. He's claiming to be uh, have black heritage. He's claiming uh, to have Jewish heritage. He's claiming to have Holocaust survivors in the family. Uh, He's claiming to have graduated from universities he never attended. When he never graduated from any of university, from businesses he was never employed at. Like this. This is, this is crazy deep stuff, and the dude actually got elected. It's a sad commentary on the state of media affairs because we're all so siloed. We're so separate and in our own silos of information, he was effectively able to pander to the worst of both ba- bases by lying through his teeth. And we're going to get into some of those lies coming up in the next segment. So if you haven't heard about the exploits of George Santos' Buckle up. This is some crazy bull crap. Stay tuned to Saturday Night on the Circle.
1: It's the end of the world, as we know it.
4: It's the end of the world, as
0: we know it. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle the on 93 WIPC.
2: I, I feel fine is the end of the world when the best republican representation we can come up with are the likes of serially dishonest george santos who has reached levels of pathological dishonesty rivaling president biden himself you're listening to saturday night on the circle i'm your host ethan hatcher producer carl beep, 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 beep. Pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Thanks for staying, uh, uh, staying locked in and listening to 93 WIBC. As you can tell, I'm greatly disenchanted with George Santos, more so with the Republican leadership that refuses to call him out. Kevin McCarthy announcing on Tuesday that he intends to name um, uh, uh, George Santos two positions on the House Committee of Small Business and the House Committee on Science space and technology. So what's my problem with George Santos? Well, my problem is that he has manufactured basically every element of his background What's what's the real damning aspect about this is not that a politician has lied to obtain power. They all do it. Carl and I were talking about that uh, off the air during the break. Uh, of course, Kevin McCarthy, to a certain degree, can't call out George Santos because they're all bloody dishonest in the Congress. And if that was the standard, then they'd all have to be removed. But this dude... He is something else. I mean, he's lying about his ethnicity. He's lying about his employment background. He's lying about his education background. And this is all, this is not alleged. It's, he just straight up admitted it. Um, a, a, and, uh, it, it's an indictment of how siloed we have become that this character was able to waltz his way through the election process without being discovered and only in hindsight now being recognized for the dishonest bastard he is here's the summary of some of his worst uh quote embellishments as he chooses to call them
5: you got another mask
1: are you the ceo of cashbacking no you're not
5: mm-hmm. congressman elect george said- how do you do Congressman-elect George Santos admitting that he lied about several key details in his experience and biography. In an interview with the New York Post, Santos confessed to what he called embellishing his resume, but insists he will serve in the next Congress. Santos confessed he had never worked directly for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, chalking that fib up to a quote, Poor choice of words. He also admitted that he never graduated from any college, despite previously claiming to have received a degree from Baruch back in 2010. Quote, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. Santos was also accused of lying about his family history, saying on his campaign website that his mother was Jewish and his grandparents escaped the Nazis during World War II. I never claimed to be Jewish, Santos said. I am Catholic. Because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background, I said I was Jew-ish. Let's do that again. Santos says that he's not Jewish, he's Jew-ish. I'm glad we cleared that up
2: where do you go with that where do you even go he claimed his grandparents were holocaust survivors which they were i guess in the same way that my grandparents were holocaust survivors because his grandparents were holocaust survivors because they were catholic and in brazil so of course they survived but that's it's not the meaning he was attempting to infer there. So, yeah, this guy is pathologically dishonest, a stain on the Republican Party, uh, and it gets worse. Uh, he's also been alleged to have defrauded a homeless veteran from a GoFundMe account put up in uh, to uh, get medical assistance for his dog. This guy is quite the character and unabashedly refusing to resign despite calls from Republicans in his own state. At least the state Republicans get it right. Where are the national Republicans calling this dude out? Because I wanna see some more vociferous opposition to this shady scumbag.
3: Last week, a group of Republicans from his Long Island district called for him to resign, calling the scandal a distraction and an embarrassment for the party.
1: He cannot serve anymore.
4: He does not deserve that right. He is a stain on the House of
3: Representatives. He's a stain on the third congressional district. At least six other Republican congressmen from New York have echoed that sentiment. So far, Santos has remained defiant, saying he intends to serve out his full term. I was elected by 142,000 people. Until those same 142,000 people tell me they don't want me,
1: uh, we'll find out in two years.
2: In addition to lying about everything else under the sun, he's also lied about his sexuality, claiming that he was, quote, very much gay, not revealing that he divorced his wife only weeks prior to uh, launching the campaign and then uh, claiming to be homosexual thereafter. So, like, just... Every aspect about this dude is manufactured and this is not the way to gain or retain power for the Republican party in the Congress. If this is the cost that it comes out, it comes at count me out, man. Like this is the stuff that energizes me to vote third party and certainly not vote for Democrats. My god. <laughs> No, not vote for Democrats, but vote third party, vote for Libertarians, because if this is the, leader, the best leadership that Republicans can muster, count me out. I feel like as a party, Republicans have forgotten that content of character is a very crucial aspect in selecting leadership. And they sort of threw that to the wayside uh, with the ensconcement of Donald Trump and uh, forgot some of those core principles that were front and center of the party for decades prior there, too. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Uh, I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Check the podcast at Saturday Night on the FM, and make sure to call or email your representative and urge them to take uh, damn George Santos to task because this is not something uh, that reflects well on the party as a whole. Unfortunately, we got to cut it short because coming up next, I'm inviting special guest on the show and uh, uh, terrific uh, traffic coordinator himself, Matt Bear. He's coming onto the program. We're going to discuss the disastrous launch of HBO's Velma and the woke crusade Hollywood liberals are waging against beloved cultural institutions, one by one taking them down by injecting them with uh, social justice messaging that now is so ridiculous it's even repellent to the audience it's intended for. We'll tell you all about that coming up in the next segment, so stay tuned to the one and only 93 WIBC. This is Saturday Night on The Circle.
0: is Saturday night on the circle on
2: 93WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I'm your host, the bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. And you can find my podcast uploaded to fireside.fm as well as wibc.com. Over the last decade, woke Hollywood liberals have waged a cultural crusade against its most beloved institutions. And franchise by franchise, they've left devastation and divided fan bases in their wake, leaving interest in once unshakable properties like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Wars in Star Trek or Doctor Who at all-time lows. But now, in their infinite hubris, they've executed an unspeakable massacre on a childhood cartoon that has spanned generations and now unites them all in a singular opposition to HBO's Velma. And here to help untangle this travesty of animation is WIBC's tenacious traffic beast and lovable Matt Bear, who joins the show. <laughs> Thank you! Glad it's Saturday night on The Circle. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Man, it's been a while. Privileged to have you on the show once again. Oh, Had- hey, yeah, it's great. Minutes. Have you seen this abomination? Have you taken time out of your busy schedule to watch HBO's Velma? Boy, I did. I've seen the first episode, Ethan. Oh, and, my um, God. I, was, um, I, I really wasn't sure who they were trying to entertain with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the, the, to set the stage for the yeah. audience, Like within the first 90 seconds, you get this kind of boorish animation of cockroaches copulating, and then enter into canonically high school children naked in the shower, and I'm wondering, okay, choices were made here, and they have this sort of meta humor that does the show no service, and it's not the race swapping that's the real crime, it's the complete character assassination that they go through, basically character by character, and utterly destroy Like It's... Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is mm. yeah yeah. take a deep breath take it's, it's deep sad deep breath it's frustrating it's filled with woke uh, uh, diversity you know and social justice signaling it's so bad that there are actually liberal commentators who theorize Mindy Kaling is secretly a conservative and seeking to assassinate the character of leftist Hollywood by creating this abomination and no and
4: Mindy Kaling is Velma in this yes. theory she is Um, and she's getting a a lot of you said the left is also talking about Velma here at the moment and criticizing it that's because Mindy Kaling is South Asian and they say it didn't go far enough uh, with the (laughs) South Asian commentary and deep diving into the nature of a South Asian person and I'm thinking about that and I'm like okay if you're going to go like Velma has gone with the social message you have to go all the way to be able to please these people you know you have to really get into it but what you have right now is just a show. It's basically Encyclopedia Brown with the character who happens to be South Asian and a lesbian, for that matter.
2: No, 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 no. Yeah. It gets better because episode two they fan bait by you know uh, teasing she could be lesbian, but in ep- by episode three because I I watched the next two episodes. I did I, I did it the service so you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you. I suffered through it, <laughs> um, but now she's she's bi. You understand? It's oh, it's okay. not lesbian. She's bi or pan or you never can tell. What they're going for these days, but let's not talk about how how much they miss the mark with Velma. What about Shaggy, or should I say Norval? I guess he's using his government name now, which is a real head scratcher there. And they totally miss the characterization of Shaggy, who, of course, you know, w- w- fans have been speculating that the, you know him and Scoob are high on the doobies, you know, using the, ma- the old marijuana. In oh, yeah. this, in this, uh, he hates drugs and bears absolutely no re- resemblance. Even if you're not going to go that way with the character, which, like, okay, fine. Great. But one of the basic characterizations of Shaggy, like, Scoob, zoinks, he doesn't use any of the like, like, Scoob, like, n- nothing, nothing that bears the original characterization of Shaggy in this Norville, um, who is just a complete simp and a hack and a cowardly, weak man, beta male. It's it, it's absolutely disturbing. Well,
4: it's what it comes down to, again, who are you trying to make this show mm-hmm. for? Because like you said, and I'm even embarrassed to talk about it, the opening scene in The Shower, where you're, you essentially just have a teenage girl. Showering and naked, and then they show Daphne's butt. Yeah, and I'm like, I feel really weird about watching this, uh-huh. and I. Sure, hope. They're not trying to target Gen Xers with this, or the people who originally watched the cartoon, the original cartoon. And But, but then later on, there's this joke where, where they have to explain it to us. They're talking about VM's voicemails. And uh, <laughs> the character says VM, and then he keeps looking at the screen and saying, that's voicemails. Right. Like, where you're having to explain the joke. The, yeah, you're, you're explaining to the it. Xers, you're explaining to the Xers what VM is. So I'm like, okay, you want Xers to watch this program and also watch the teenage shower scene at the beginning and really gross us all out. So, um, that's why I'm thinking, who are you trying to appeal but to? But then it's this just is supposed like to be the over-18
2: over adult animation crowd. It's, it, it lacks focus. And yeah, it's character assassination. Oh, you know who we haven't talked about yet? What they do to Fred.
4: Oh, Fred, a, he's a stock character Or a, a character that you would Expect him to be, being the high school jock He, he epitomizes all of that He's he's the dumb jock,
2: that's yeah. what they did um, yeah. Well, they take what is essentially a, The golden retriever of a human Being that he was in the cartoons this oh, I like that golden retriever Well, because he's all around yeah. lovable, he's a go-getter He's intelligent, and they Character assassinate him to the degree That he's a man-child who can't Cut his own meat <laughs> Right, right, and is obsessed over people's appearance, as is everyone in the show. Which, if you're, you're supposed to be preaching diversity politics, I suppose I thought we were supposed to overlook those characterizations. I don't know. It's
4: well, it, no, no. I see what you're saying. And maybe as the series progresses, uh, maybe we're just seeing this uh, supposed to see this through the eyes of Velma. You know, maybe that's what they're doing. Velma's going to see this person like that. And her old friend, Daphne. Remember Daphne? The uh, You know, when I, well, when I was a kid, I thought Daphne was very attractive. I liked Daphne. but it, Now, in this show, she is the evil, rich, ex-best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it, I, maybe we're just supposed to see it like Velma's supposed to see I Why am I asking these questions? Because I'm never going to watch the show
2: again. No, the, it's not worth yeah. pursuing. It's now the, m- one of the most lowest animated, uh, well, no, the lowest rated animated show in imdb uh database history like yeah. it is it is so universally loathed it's below 10 percent on rotten tomatoes i think it, it it hit six it may be down to five <laughs> it may be down to Made five percent to Ought, yes it, it uh, I there goes mean, your contract bonuses Velma. it's incredible but it's already been renew, renewed for a season two has it really yes okay. it has well it, we'll see we will see. I mean, it Wait. was preemptively renewed. Yeah. Um, so, HBO putting all their chips, all their you know eggs in this basket, whatever. Best luck to you. It's a disaster. And I think it's interesting how it's uniting all of the fan bases, like all ages, yes. all demographics, both left and right. It's universally hated. This is bad.
4: Yeah, it, 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 it's it bad. very much is. And, and again, what what you have done is, you've taken this character, and, and Velma's objective through the whole series is to find her mother. Her mother is missing. She loves her mother. And, and that's that's the mystery. That's the mystery part, and that's what we remember about Scooby Doo is solving the mysteries. We get into this thing, and there's like you said, with the sausage and the showers and everything. And I'm like, when are we gonna solve a mystery? Yeah, <laughs> that's what all you want to do. And they finally they, introduced a mystery.
2: storyline.
4: Watch the
2: premise of the show. It's I a know. mystery show, and there are no <laughs> mysteries. Though? There are lots of tiny dong jokes, but no mystery. Right, right, right. And again, who
4: is this supposed to be for? That's what I kept asking. You know, I I'm, I don't mind reboots, Ethan. I really sure. don't. Um, I, I think they're fun, and again, yeah, I remember that. It brings me back to my childhood and everything else, uh, but. In something like this, you're just using the Scooby-Doo vehicle for this character. This show could have been made without Scooby-Doo, but it brings in that extra drawl of the Xers instead of just being teenage anxiety, teenage angst, going through high school, and and problems with her father and her mother. And, and it's it's remakes aren't bad, but this 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 was this was really bad.
2: Yeah, this was spectacularly bad. But we can congratulate Mindy Kaling on accomplishing one spectacular feat. What's that? She has introduced something in the Scooby-Doo universe that is more universal unpopular than Scrappy.
4: power! You know, I, I didn't like Scrappy either. Nobody did.
2: Uh, Nobody well, did. now Velma takes its place. You're listening to <laughs> well, Saturday Night on The Circle. Before we go, there was a fun little skit I saw on Instagram about Indianapolis, our beloved city. And I know you're as big a fan of where we live as I am. I'm not sure this is a fair encapsulation, but it's a sad commentary on how the city's... Uh, uh, overall appearance has kind of devolved.
1: Welcome to Indianapolis. Let me get you settled in. Sorry I'm late. I was coming from the east side. And you're unharmed? (laughs) It's a miracle. What? Why? Uh, No reason. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How do you like living here? It's a boring flat hellscape. Well, downtown seems cool. Oh, it is. It's a bustling metropolis. Do you know we have three skyscrapers? That's not... A lot of people recommend doing a gondola ride on the canal. Ah, yes. It's just like being in Venice. If you remove the architecture and the culture and the charm and the food and the... Okay. I'll get into local sports. You guys got a lot of teams to root for. And they're all terrible. The pacers suck. The are embarrassing. The Hoosiers are useless. The most relevant athlete right now in Indy is Pat McAfee. Oh, my God. We do have the Indy 500 if you want to watch 33 cars make left turns for three hours. No, that... Everybody likes that. You guys that. do anything well. Yes. Violent crime. I'm out of here. I haven't told you the best part yet. Please. you're free Indianapolis starter kit. Tickets to the St. Fair, shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo Steakhouse and a Peyton Manning jersey. Indianapolis. Sure, the weather and sports are awful, but at least it's violent. <laughs> but at least it's,
4: okay. I, I, it's all perspective, it's man. Hit, right, yeah. it's hit and miss. that's satire, and I get it, and I think it's funny, and I have a sense of humor about myself.
2: I have a sense of humor, too. I think it's hit and miss, but definitely, man, the violence is kind of the most depressing thing about the city right now, and the total lack of leadership at the executive level, which I'm energized to say we may have a new entry into the ring for mayoral candidate in Indianapolis. We don't know where Abdul is going yes! to sit. But, man, I'm so excited about that. I talked oh, with him about man. that a few weeks ago on the show. And, uh, you know, tentatively, that would be an exciting announcement. Yeah, we're talking about Abdul Hakeem Shabazz. Mm-hmm. And
4: IndiePolitics.org, a show on WIBC, and about 10,000 other jobs, including a lawyer. And um, I, I love Abdul to death. And Abdul, to me, is the balance that, that he could provide this city right now. And you know he's going to be tough on crime. And it's like, OK, here's something Abdul can do really well, Ethan, Um, we've talked about this, him and I, is is this intersection at Illinois and Washington. And when I come in at five in the morning and I look to the corner, there's a camp set up there. It's a homeless camp, okay? Uh, People that don't have as much as I do. Uh, And and I understand that. And I do have uh, empathy for them. But there has to be a humane way to remove these homeless camps from the middle of downtown. Mm -hmm. And this is something that he can do. He has the heart to do it. He has the compassion. But he also has the stone's. To do it, to go out there and get a dot and, and push connect, for an ordinance or push for a law.
2: And connect people with the resources that they need, because allowing them to set up camp in the center of downtown is doing no, no service to anyone. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and
4: you're so right. And, and, and I love how you said that. Connect them to the resources because they are out there. A lot of people. Listen, I, I live downtown. I, I see homeless, and, and I occasionally talk to them. You know, and we, you know, whenever they they approach me on the streets, we. Yeah, you live right work. on Mass Ave. I live right on Mass Ave. I'm blessed to do that. Um, these people, uh, a lot of the homeless, they're either drunk or they're crazy, or, or they have insane issues. So when you talk about the resources, they are out there. One, how do we connect them to it? And two, are they going to be willing? You know that's the thing. That's the difficult, and Abdul would be able to provide that. He knows this stuff. He he, he has the heart. He has the brains. I, I, I I'm not Mr. Uh, first Class. Yeah, I kind of am. Never mind. I, well, I
2: he's legitimately dude. one of the smartest dudes that I know. Yes, yes, he's brilliant. And he wears so many different hats. And it's cool to even speculate about this possibility. Yes, absolutely. Matt, it's been a privilege having you in the show. Uh, thanks for coming in. Are we done already? Yeah, we're done. Oh, we ran was over, fun, but man, but, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I can't even talk about westbound 70 reopening in the North. Spring. Oh man. I, man, I'm so psyched <laughs> to have Westbound 70 back, because no, right. I travel to Lafayette, and I've had to cut through downtown so many times. I'm like, <laughs> no!
4: <laughs> you know, it's so funny, because I, I, I didn't know that, but everybody, it's like, okay, I know I do traffic, and I'm not the politics guy or anything, so I, I just figure, usually when I say, hey, Westbound 70 is reopening, people are like, yeah, okay, yeah, w- whatever. But I get that reaction from everybody. They're like, finally! Yes. Westbound 70 is reopening, so it's cool. It's supposed to happen tomorrow morning, and I'm going to drive it. I'll talk to Terry tomorrow morning. We'll give updates at WIBC Traffic and at Matt in Traffic. Those are the uh, Twitter accounts of myself, so follow them, and we will keep you informed, certainly.
2: I'm going to be checking that out and reveling every mile of my travel on Westbound (laughs) 70. Yes! God bless you, Ethan. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, and I bid you my parting words of wisdom, as always. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next week.